1: like kobe in a fourth quarter this is the dane moore nba podcast brought to you by the genesis company coming at you monday morning it's march 27th i give kyle Tige crap for saying almost every time he's on the show that the most recent game we watched was the wolves biggest win of the season but i think kyle said that uh, after he came on on thursday after they beat atlanta on wednesday that maybe was the biggest game of the season but it for sure no longer is the case uh the Wolves win uh, in San Francisco on Sunday night against the Warriors, 99-96. Given the stakes, was the biggest game of the season. With the win, the Wolves slide into the seventh slot in the Western Conference with seven games to go. They're half a game behind the Warriors for the six, one game behind the Clippers for the five. If you want to get real audacious, one and a half games uh, behind the Suns for the four seed. You know, if they would have lost that game, the Wolves would have been tied with the Lakers and the Thunder for the 9-10 seed. So, the margin for error is small, or I guess the margin for success is also small. Um, we're in the middle of it here. The wolves, uh, the wolves took care of business on Sunday night. I'm joined by Wolves beat writer Chris Heim from the Star Tribune, bright and early in San Francisco, 7:30 in the morning. He's ready to go. I think you were at the <laughs> the seat of the crime last night, Chris. Uh, how are you doing this morning? Doing
2: all right. Got got a decent amount of sleep and about to head over to Sacramento after we are uh, done recording here. Also want to note today, it's a very important day. It is Mariah Carey's birthday, sorry, anniversary. <laughs> oh, okay. She calls them anniversaries. They are not birthdays. Okay. She celebrates the anniversary of her turning 12 every year. <laughs> That's how she does it. So just want to, it's a good day. It's a good day.
1: It's, it's, a, it's a good day. It's You had that, you had that plan. You're like, I'm coming on here. In I did. <laughs> I did. We're coming in with this. <laughs> uh, okay, Chris. So uh you're in the locker room. Uh last night after the game. Um I, I grabbed a I, I saw the the Finch I'm I'm in Minneapolis. I didn't go out to to California. I saw the Finch press conference. Um what what stood out to you from the Finch press conference? But then uh I'm more interested in uh what the what the vibe of the the locker room was after the win last night.
2: Uh, Finch's press conference, uh, K- calling Kyle Anderson, probably their most important player, given all the stuff that he does was, was quite a statement. Um, and then the last question, um, that he was asked, uh, I think, I think I asked it. I, I, don't, even, I don't even remember because post game was such a blur, but I, I think I asked him a question about, um, defense and playing defense yeah. with this too big lineup and what they've learned from early in the year with it versus later in the year. And his answer seemed to be that D'Angelo Russell isn't on the floor anymore. It was and a good that, question. Like Mike, Chris. And, like Mike Conley is on the floor now. And mm-hmm. so therefore that's another person they can put on the ball. One less person they have to hide. And
1: let me cut you DVD. off. Let's play that clip. I, I did.
2: Clip yeah, go that ahead. One. Yeah. Yeah defensively
1: what did what have you learned what did you
2: maybe learn from earlier in the season about how this team needs to defend smaller lineups that you're maybe applying now at, at this stage of the season well you know
3: some of the lineups that we were playing with earlier in the season we weren't able to get to the matchups we wanted because you know we had sometimes guys that we couldn't always put on the ball now we have a multitude of guys we can put on the ball and when you can do that you can now you know move guys around and sometimes you know, you have to hide players, but we don't really have that anymore. And um, now we have guys that we can flip matchups around. And we feel we can take advantage of matchups at times. And we have a multitude of guys who can guard, you know, um, you know like high, you know, high leverage players.
1: Uh, one good question, Chris, because, I mean, that is what stood out at the end of the game, right? I mean, o- in the game yeah. overall, defensively, but particularly against a Golden State team, in crunch time, like, you know, it's going to come down to your ability to be able to at least contest, right? That, that offense and live with the make or misses. And it felt, it feels now with this group, because as Finch says, they don't have to hide uh, a player anywhere specifically. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's Finch like totally ripping on Dilo. That's just like, that was the truth of, of the Delo time, yeah. Yeah. is is they did that. And maybe you could say, oh, well, maybe Finch shouldn't have been hiding him in the first place. You should have just put him D'Lo on Steph Curry, whatever. Finch did not feel comfortable doing that with D'Angelo Russell. He now does feel comfortable putting Mike Conley on ball, which was in the second biggest defensive play of the game. That final possession when Conley turned and got in front of uh, Jordan Poole to, to basically to seal the game with the defensive play. I mean, that's. That's the difference defensively. I think we're seeing it uh, over this now, what, 17 games since Conley got here. This team can match up five ways across the board. Some complications with the two bigs now, but it's not, I think Fitch's point is they don't have point of attack defensive issues anymore because they're not needing to necessarily hide one or two plays. And it wasn't just Dilo. i throw Jalen Noel in there too, right? That was right, kind of right. Jalen Owell was
2: was yeah. not off the bench last night. He didn't play. Nikhil Alexander Walker placed 16-29.
1: Big ones. Um,
2: and big minutes from him just chasing around Steph. And mm. and you know, I thought he I thought he was important for them last night. And yeah. made that big save that led to the, yeah. to the Kyle Anderson uh, heave at the end of the shot clock <laughs> there.
1: Kyle Anderson, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, this is th- this team defensively is is hinting at being special, at least at times. Right. Uh, Again, that that Kyle Anderson play we we should focus on. But you can now I I saw Jace put this on on Twitter. He's like the thing you can now do when you don't have to hide one of the guards is you can hide Kat or Nas at the four if you need to. I remember, you know, like Kat doing that against Atlanta or you can kind of put Rudy in that spiral. And that seems to be just changing so much for this this team uh, defensively in terms of the threat that they are. I mean, when this team is good defensively, like it looks like they can be really good.
2: Yeah, it, it, yeah. I think you saw last night too. The big thing that that struck me about their performance last night was it felt like they did a good job of chasing Steph Clay or whoever yeah. off their spots. Like they were th- those guys were queuing up to try and. And take a three or take mm-hmm. some sort of shot, and guys were there to contest just enough to contest that initial shot and make them relocate. Mm-hmm. I That's thought that amazing. was the key to their that was the key yeah. to their success. They they maybe they maybe they eventually surrendered open shots. But look, it's the NBA. If guys are going to hit jump yeah. shots all night, your team's probably going to win win the game. But I thought the Wolves did a good job of just chasing them off the initial spot, making them relocate and maybe taking a tougher degree of difficulty shot, not as in rhythm mm-hmm. as maybe they would have liked. And I was I was surprised. I thought Rudy also did a decent yes. job at times when he got isolated on people of, of making life difficult. I remember one sequence where Steph couldn't get a shot off on yeah. the perimeter against Rudy because Rudy was just there with his hands up and contesting. Um, so I thought you know, all the things that you might have thought would not have gone well early in the season with this too big lineup against a team like Golden State, they kind of disproved it last night. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a. I thought this was a huge win for for, for that, and for, you know, for that reason alone, almost like a philosophical statement of like this can work. Now it's going to be tested again tonight, yeah. uh, against in a big way against the Kings, um, and we'll see how that goes on a, on the tail end of a back to back. But I thought you had to come out of that pretty encouraged, especially when Jaden McDaniels is in foul trouble Jeez, uh, yeah. all night. Your best perimeter defender, and you survive without him. I, um, so I, I just all these things that came together to, for them to play as well as they did last night is remarkable.
1: I, I think, Chris, the the point of Rudy being able to guard in a switched isolation situation is a good point. Like, because I, I think back to the end of that, Bo- or not even the end of that Boston game, but in that Boston game, getting switched on a Tatum or Brown a few times, and and holding his own there. Like, we're seeing. As Pinch says, like enabling the fly around mentality, you just situationally to do that and be kind of just exchanging players you're guarding on the back end. Like as the center, you're going to get dragged out to the perimeter sometimes like and and that's you know, that hurts the Wolves in that Rudy's not at the rim. But it you know, it's it's something they're willing to concede. And I think they can concede it if Rudy can hold his own at least situationally in those isolation situations. I think Gobert doing that more while also doing more of the like classic Utah Rudy stuff. I, I I just feel like anecdotally in my head, there's a lot more of those like guy comes into 12 feet and then just like dribbles out of there because he's like, I don't want to shoot when Gobert's around. I mean, I think we are now just over the last month really starting to see I'd, I'd been thinking this, like starting to see that defensive player of the year type of Gobert player. And I thought it was interesting when, when Finch said this about Gobert postgame. Kind of seeing Rudy steadily get better. Is this another night that just looks like this? he's the defensive player of the year type of guy uh, that
2: that you were getting that in the trade?
3: Yeah, I mean, he, he he's just, you know, he's just, yeah, he's growing and growing. He told us, you know, to expect more from him coming out of the All-Star break. Um, he knew he hadn't performed up to his standard of expectations. Uh, I think right now the team around him, um, you know, is really, really kind of figuring out a way to value him offensively, and that's keeping him engaged as well.
1: Right, they tie together, Chris. I I think we've seen since Conley's been here a greater integration of Rudy defensively. Some of that, I think, was coming naturally as Rudy was slowly progressing offensively over the course of the season, but there's just... Remember that like Miami game where Rudy shot like didn't shoot a shot until like a minute left in the game. Yeah. And and there there's something to I don't know with the, like a big guy. Th- they always say that, right? Like you got to give him a touch to to keep him offensively, to keep him engaged defensively. I think the Wolves uh whether it be through play calls or just kind of like Conley's awareness, um they're doing that more often. He's improved offensively and it's it's translating to to some defensive growth from him as well. So, so yes, like Nikhil Alexander-Walker stepped in for Jaden McDaniels, who was in foul trouble, but Rudy also really shored up that defense last night, and you absolutely needed that uh, uh, against this this Golden State team when it was not at all a strong offensive performance from the Wolves.
2: Absolutely. And and it's ironic that we're talking about him being engaged offensively when he had three shot attempts. He he did. He did have 12 free throw attempts. They Mm -hmm. were getting him the ball. Yes. Um, This is also I think this is also an indication of and I think it was Bleacher Report that throughout the the meme or the graphic over the, you know, comparing Walker Kessler's block shots this year to Rudy's. Rudy only had one block shot last night. But if you come out of that game thinking Rudy Gobert had a bad defensive night, I, you, you didn't watch the game, yeah. even though he only had one block shot. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's just a, a fact. Mm-hmm. He 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 did what he does or what he did so well in Utah. Guys enter that area and they have to think twice right. about what they're going to do. And that's a, that's that's what he brings. That, it was a quintessential Rudy defensive performance, I thought.
1: Uh, we'll keep this moving because I know you gotta you got to get on a bus here to to Sacramento. So we'll grab a, a quick early break here. We'll be back with uh, Chris. And we got to talk about my boy Nasreed, Chris, leading scorer again. <laughs> uh, we'll be back with uh, Chris Hine here in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore. And the people at Land and Lore wanted me to tell you that they get tired, super tired. Tired of always looking like... But life hits hard. They're dads with kids that don't sleep and with wives that are constantly mad at them for things they didn't realize they did. Plus, maybe they stayed up all night rewatching last year's playing game versus the Clippers because it's thus far the highlight of their adult lives. But what's worse than feeling like is looking like it? Because when you look like everyone can see it, and no matter how much coffee or Celsius they inhale, they still walk into work looking like cave dwellers. That's why at Land and Lore they created the energy drink for your face. So no matter how you feel, you don't have to look like it. What's even better because they love the Timberwolves is they're giving fans 20% off the brand. Just go to Amazon.com and search for and Lore Face Products and use promo code 20ANTMAN to get 20% off. and Lore, proven to help you look awake no matter how long of a bender you've been on. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company. And with just seven games left here in the season, um, as good of a reason as ever to get over to Falling Knife to watch one of these uh, games live for their... Watch parties with their Wolves community. Got the Kings tonight um, against Sacramento. You can go over there to watch the game. Phoenix on on Wednesday night, or uh, if later this week, this weekend, um, you're not going to Target Center uh, to watch the Wolves against the Blazers. That could be a, a Sunday afternoon game uh, to go check out at Falling Knife. I, I really recommend uh, checking it out if you're looking for a place to watch a Wolves game with Wolves fans. Falling Knife is the spot. And as I've been telling you, on April 6th, myself, Britt Robson and Kyle Tige will be doing a live show there to kind of wrap up this the regular season, preview the play-in, playoffs. So mark that on your calendar, April 6th. As always, that's Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. All right, we are back with Wolves beat writer Chris Hine from the Star Tribune. Uh, as we were talking about before the break, I mean, I think defense defined that game for the Wolves. But as I was just kind of like doing my sitting there after the game Reflecting on the game, looking at the box score, this is kind of just like a dumb stat, but just looking at it, I was like, huh, Nas Reed made 10 shots in the game. No one else on the Wolves made more than five. And in a defensive game, you can't just win with defense in the NBA. Someone on the team last night needed to get buckets. Anthony Edwards, which we can talk about, was looked extremely lethargic in that game, coming back from injury. He wasn't there. Cat's offensive game, he was missing bunnies around the basket. Had two huge threes uh, late in the game, but offensively, he wasn't a weapon. We know Rudy's a limited weapon. I think Conley scored all 12 of his points in the first quarter. Um, You needed Nas Reed to be that kind of sixth-man bucket-getter for this team last night, and he did, and it's just, this has been a real wild development, I think, over these two games. That, one, Nas Reed is playing, and two, that he has led them in scoring both games. Both games, yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs>
2: I, I don't know what to say. We didn't we know even add. know if he was going to play, yeah. you know, when Carl got back. Like, yeah. is Nas going to still be in the rotation? Is he going to play, like, uh, five minutes if somebody gets a foul trouble? Like, what's his role going to be? In? I
1: mean, that's what his role was That's what his role was in, was in
2: November, right? Yes. Yeah, 100%. We thought it just might revert back to that, but... I think I heard uh, the Warriors, brought. I was watching the highlights of of the game afterwards last night. I heard the Warriors play-by-play announcer go, after Nas hit one of his threes, like, if Nas Reed just played the Warriors, he'd be an (laughs) all-NBA (laughs) player or something like that. Like, Warriors fans are sick of Nas Reed just, just killing them because yeah. uh, he's had some great games against the Warriors this year. That, that he, he he had thirty against them in February. Right, yeah. right, right. The game they won, he he played well the last time they were in mm-hmm. Golden State. Uh, yeah, it was. He, he's he's turned into like a Warriors killer. Uh, <laughs> I think they're sick of seeing him. Um, he was fantastic, I mean, like you said, it was just they needed it. I, and look, and and with Nas, you're always going to have a little bit of trade off defensively, right? Yeah, but man did they need his buckets especially some of those threes in the second half that he hit mm. um you know in the fourth quarter he was the only one scoring for them they had they had some long scoring droughts uh mm. last night yeah uh I think from the second and third quarter you know kind of overlapped there like eight minutes or so yep without a bucket fourth quarter they kind of started off slow as well and nas just Nas brought them back to life on offense. And I, I I tweeted, and I think a lot of people were like, how can you take Nas off the floor late in the game? <laughs> they did, and it worked out because yeah. Carl ended up hitting those two threes. Um, but, man, I, I thought there was no way you could take him off. Because he was the only guy scoring for you last I know.
1: night. Yeah, just, you, you asked Finch about that after the game. Like, what did you think about going with Nas? And it's like you could see in Finch's face. Just like the Atlanta game was like, Yes, but it kind of worked out perfectly Mm -hmm. in both games in that, like, Nas carried him there. He, like, then last night, right, he, like, missed one or two threes and then Finch pulled him and put Cat in to close the game. And for the second game in a row, Cat closed it uh, with with his offensive game there. So it's it's thus far really, like, translated pretty seamlessly, the rotation, which is, I mean, again, just two games, but it, it hasn't really been bumpy. At all, I was I was looking it up last night. So you had 18 minutes of Gobert and Towns, they lose those minutes by three points. You had 13 minutes of Towns and Reed, they won those by 12, and then Gobert and Reed, eight minutes, they lost those by four, and then nine minutes of just one center is just just Gobert. So they're really kind of mm-hmm. cycling that together. It's basically if you go for the two games, it's about it's about the same thing. I mean, the the pairing they play the most is Gobert and Towns, followed by Towns and Reed. And then they kind of find spot minutes here and there as they're transitioning, where Gobert and Reed play together. I mean, all of those lineups are positive through these through these two games. If you if you combine the two, I mean, it's it's working thus far. And I I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, what we know about Nas though too, is he's volatile, right? What right? I, I'm curious in the which is just going to naturally happen. How does this? How do they flow with the two bigs, or how much of a offensive power outage is it for this team if and when Nas has a bad game? You know? I'm I'm curious, and maybe that's maybe that's how we bring Ant into this. Maybe those are the games where Ant just needs to kind of pick up more of the scoring load. Because right now, Nas Reed feels critical to this team being able to to score at a at a high level for, for this team. But what do you what do you think? Just going forward with with the two big pairing and what, what is what how bumpy, I guess, of an experience do you think this is gonna be?
2: Well, I wonder how much if, if Nas, like you said, is is volatile, let's say he has a down night, mm-hmm. how much do those minutes that you just broke down flip a little bit? Does yeah. Finch have a does Finch pull Nas a little earlier? Do they go more with one big in those situations you know does for instance if Nas doesn't have it going one night is that a night that Jaden has it going sure or is that a night that like you said and or maybe torian prince has a little more of of a scoring pop that Mm -hmm. particular night so it's who's it's who's gonna fill that gap uh who's gonna have it going that that night probably also dictates Mm -hmm. what kind of lineups are going to be playing that night um So I I do wonder if Nas isn't playing as well as he is, does he play 21 minutes? Mm -hmm. Or is it more like 12 to 13 minutes or something like that? So I'd be interested to see if if Nas starts off, you know, one for four, one for five on a given night. Does does the rotation uh, change at all? So or does Finch stick with it and and like he did uh, against Atlanta and in the fourth quarter, it paid off dividends when mm-hmm. Nas was on the fourth Rudy late, late in that game. So we'll see. I, I think I, I think I'm just curious to see when Nas has a bad night, does Finch stick with it or does he have yeah. a, a, a quicker trigger than he might
1: otherwise have had? And maybe like. At some point, I haven't looked exactly at what Towns's rotation. I knew he subbed out after five, the first five minutes of the game. So it seemed like it was just that similar, like five minutes on at a time sort of pattern. Maybe that got extended a little bit uh, in the second half. I wasn't looking at it closely, but I wonder if once Towns can get back to playing, you know, ten minutes at a time stretches, maybe the need for Nas is is a little bit like to, I guess, not just Nas, but to. Make the rotation of all three double big pairings work. Like maybe you can, maybe just one of them needs to work or two of those pairings uh, need to work night to night. It felt critical, I guess, just in these two games that none of those pairings got cooked at any point. There was, there's like a little bit with Townsend Reed in the Atlanta game early where Towns just didn't really know what looked like he knew what he was doing defensively. But for the most part, it's looked competent whenever there's been the two whatever the pairing of of the bigs are. And maybe once Towns is back closer to full throttle, Finch has a little bit more liberty to, you know, m- manipulate the, the rotation in, in a different way. And yeah, like we're saying, there's other... There's other players who can provide like all the offense of the Wolves does not come from the 7 foot tall guys. It doesn't it that doesn't need <laughs> to be the case. Um you know, right. Anthony Edwards is going to deliver more going forward. I'm curious what like up close and in person what what Ant looked like uh to you. Again, uh, from afar on on television, he looked really lethargic to me, which almost signaled that it was the illness slowing him down last night more than the ankle injury. And do you, do you agree with that? Am I, am I off? Am I off base? That's just what, that's what yeah. my, I was saying from, from afar.
2: No, he, I mean, he looked, he did not look a hundred percent. Finch said as much afterward mm-hmm. and uh, you know, basically said he was just dead tired. Yeah. Um. You know, he, in chasing the warriors around the perimeter for, As long as he did, it also is going to (laughs) cause you to experience maybe a little more fatigue than than you might otherwise have. We did not ask him if if he felt tired because of the illness or or more because of his ankle. So we did not have clarity on that. But his exact exact quote was, (laughs) uh, twice he kind of said this, he goes, tired, out of shape, no legs but we got the win man so i'm cool and then later and later on he goes i asked him about like you know i was running around on defense contributing to that he's like yeah man i'm super tired jordan pool thompson curry even i'm running all day super exhausted but but we came out victorious so that's pretty cool
1: he's just shameless he's just shamelessly honest (laughs) Uh, i mean that's right <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I mean, one way or the other, that's gotta uh, you know, whether that's getting healthier, I mean, they're just going to need uh more from Ant. Um, you know, he's the most dynamic player on on this team. You know, you could say best player, best offensive player, but I think it's some of that like dynamism is it's kind of like the Nas thing, right? That it it can go up and down and really feel like it swings you. And and I think like, like the wolves in these final seven games can't afford to have an ant game where it is the, you know, five for 18 from the field, because he's going to get the the shots every game. Even, even if he's feeling out of shape, even if he's feeling hurt, like the offense goes through him that much, so as much as it does that, you know, he can really slide the needle one way or the other. And I mean, I, I mean, do you have any idea back to back? Are you, are you assuming he plays tonight in Sacramento?
2: Good question. Um, Finch, I asked him about that pregame. If if you know, both he and if Carl played, mm-hmm. would they be playing tonight in Sacramento? And Finch just kind of said, Oh, one game at a time, Chris, you know, <laughs> just think about this one. You know. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Don't have any indication either way.
1: I mean, with cat, um, I, I guess cat it could be management, but it doesn't I mean Carl doesn't look as fast as he did at the beginning of the season, but I to me it it. I, I don't know. It it looks like a normal progression of, you know, just coming back into shape after missing 52 games. Like yeah. in my head and in my gut, I would say like, you know, I think you play Carl through this back to back. Obviously the, the stakes are, are huge. And I don't think you like run a risk of, I don't know. I mean, I just think Cats too talented that we kind of learned in last night's game, right? Like he can have a bad game for you and win you the game at the same time. Like I see yeah, Cap playing with Car- through yeah, back with, to backs.
2: Yeah. With Carl, if it's just, it was just a conditioning thing. Then yeah, th- then he can, he can play maybe not as many minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, he played 32 minutes last night. So more of a normal yeah. workload for him than, than Wednesday. Um, but yeah, uh, if, if everything is okay and it's just like, it's healed, but. It's conditioning, yeah. Maybe just limit his minutes a little bit. Ant, we'll see. Um 34, 39 last night in playing time. Um I think he I think Ant, you know, realized in the first half that he wasn't just kind of standing around out there on offense. And I think I think you saw at least a, an attempt in the second half to get more actively involved, take it to the rim a little more. That's when he had He broke the
1: scoring time. Yeah, some of the some yeah. of the
2: buckets that he had were in the third quarter there. So I think he recognized that. Listen, I got to do something here. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, this was this was the conundrum. Like like coming back with Carl with Ant uh, coming back from his ankle. It's like, okay, you're trying to get these guys to play together for the first yeah. time almost all year, late in games where you have to win for playoff positioning. And on a night that that Towns and Edwards were rusty, they yeah. go ten for thirty combined. <laughs> They still get a win, like uh-huh. that was what we were wondering about this whole time was like, can they still win while trying to get these guys, especially Carl, back up to speed with eight games left in the season, and they did it last night, like that was huge for a number of reasons, like not only did it just give those guys another game of getting back into form, but they won, and they didn't have to they didn't have to sacrifice quote unquote. a a win in order to do that they still managed to win a game while trying to get these guys back up to 100
1: it's defense chris i mean i know we talked about that before but it's like i mean the the warriors i was looking at like they scored 96 points and 97 possessions last night so they have a they have an offensive rating of under 100 right the or the wolves Mm -hmm. had a defensive rating of under 100 and i i actually want to go and like Look this up ar- around the rest of the league, but I just I just sorted their schedule by their best defensive performances, where they've had a one hundred five two or less defensive rating in the game, which is like good, but not like incredibly incredibly good. Like yeah. one hundred five two, and in in games when they've had a defensive rating of one hundred five two or less, they're nineteen and one this season. And to me, again, I need to like I, maybe that's every team wins when they give up that few or the opponent sh- shoots that in- as inefficiently. But I still, I don't know. I my, I think that means that when this team plays at an elite level defensively, that they are, they win at at as high of a rate as anybody. And part of that is just because they're less a lesser offensive team than they are a defensive team. But it seems more than anything to, when they are defending at a high level, just raise the overall level of competence and you don't have these real extended stretches of like demoralizing offense going against them. And I think I just think when the Wolves are playing at a high level defensively, they're as dangerous as any team when they are playing at a high level defensively. I don't know if that's the fly around mentality thing connecting to each other or what it is, but that's I mean, that's why they win that game last night is is not because they had any real anything impressive on offense outside of taz no. which kind of but um i don't know that that that's something that that stood out to me this season when they defended at elite level they are extremely extremely difficult to beat
2: one note i'd add on to that and it's it's related to what you said is just specific to playing the warriors and in chase center last mm-hmm. night something that a number of players i think carl and and Kyle hit on this in their post-game comments, the Warriors have that tendency to do what you described, which is like yeah. scoring bunches against you know a, a reeling defense, which is something that has been a hallmark of Wolves' teams in recent seasons. For sure. And it happened a little bit last night. There were two points in the game where the Warriors did that, where they came back. But the Wolves were prepared for this they they knew it was going to happen mm-hmm. they knew those runs were coming and they didn't let it rattle them
1: yeah
2: i think i think previous iterations of whether it was this team this season or last season or years before would have gotten out of the game in those moments and golden state instead of erasing a 12-point lead to make it a two-point game Mm -hmm. that could have snowballed into a double-digit Golden State lead in the past. Uh, Carl was very cognizant of, like, look, you know, sometimes they hit one three and you'd think they've hit nine in a row or something like that with the way the crowd reacts. I just thought they had a very good mentality of, like, handling that game in that building, in that atmosphere last night. Like They knew what was coming. They knew not to get rattled if somebody hit a big corner three like Jordan Poole did late in the game or I think Peyton did at one point in the fourth quarter as well. They knew, like, these are going to happen. The crowd's going to go ballistic. We can't get out of ourselves. And I think that that was a real sign of of maturity for them last night, was just handling that game in that building with those specific circumstances against this team. I thought they did an excellent job of keeping it together on the defensive end of the floor.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. I was like, you know what you're describing, right, Chris, is a mature basketball team. A mature basketball team. I, I,
2: and with the Timberwolves using the words mature basketball team and Timberwolves in the same sentence is, is a dangerous thing. (laughs) Yeah. But again, you look, you look at, you look at the roster and you're like, Mike Conley, mature basketball player, Rudy Gobert, Mm -hmm. mature basketball player, Kyle Anderson, mature basketball player. So even with some of the youth and immaturity or
1: volatility whatever that's
2: volatility that's around them they still have in those situations especially late in the game last night three guys on the floor who are quote-unquote mature experienced Mm -hmm. basketball players you did not have that when D'Angelo Russell was playing point guard for Mike Conley Mm. uh, especially on the defensive end of the floor as much as D'Lo brought with his offensive potential and won them some games this year um, on that end of the floor uh, I, I really think that they just—we're seeing now that this team, this makeup of the roster, is a little different than what we've experienced before with this team, and I, and I think we need to maybe reevaluate some of that. It,
0: s-
1: it's, becoming it, yeah, yeah. It, it's becoming a truth. part, yeah, yeah. It's becoming a truth of this team. Uh, I, I said with Britt before. It's an even if it wasn't a young team. At the beginning of the season, in many ways, it was an inexperienced team. And I would even put Rudy into the inexperienced because he was at being asked to do things he didn't have experience in because he just did the same thing for nine years uh, in Utah. I think this team feels more experienced, whether that, you know, because even some of the younger guys have our getting more experience over the course of the season. I think that's why we're seeing a little bit more consistency from a Nas Reed or, you know, players like that who are quote-unquote young. Chris, we'll grab one more break here, um, come back. I do want to talk about uh, Jade McDaniels' game a little bit. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I feel like I'm stressed every time I'm wanting to buy tickets to a Twins game or a concert in town, and I'm stressed because I don't know if I'm getting a good deal or not. With the GameTime app, I feel confident, even if it's last minute, that I've purchased my tickets at a fair rate. And that's because of their best price guarantee. So if you're looking for tickets to one of these final Wolves home games, check out the GameTime app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're good. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails. So snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code DANEMORE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DANEMORE, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: It's only a kick,
1: a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, Chris, uh, back for one final segment here. the the Jaden McDaniels foul trouble and the Wolves winning was a real interesting marker for me in, in that game. Jaden has been, his effectiveness night to night has been so predicated on rhythm. He really falls out of rhythm when he gets into foul trouble early in games. Rarely is able to kind of, you know, reestablish himself after he's you know playing with foul trouble and had to sit on the bench for so long. That game was as egregious of a foul trouble game from him as anyone. What did he finish with? Like ten, you know, he didn't even play ten minutes in the game. Nine, nine minutes, minutes. Yeah. Nine minutes and fifty-four seconds, all because of of foul trouble in that one. And I thought it was interesting that it feels like this team can make it work without Jaden a little bit more. We talked about Nikhil Alexander Walker. I thought he stepped in. That's kind of seeming like his role with this team right now, kind of the the extra bench wing you play if and when a Jaden or Torian Prince or Kyle Anderson uh, gets in foul trouble. That was the like added player into the rotation. But I thought Kyle Anderson now also fits into that as McDaniel's plug uh, if and when he gets in foul trouble because Anderson's now playing the three uh, a lot more, you know, and I think it was when Anderson made that huge steal with, you know, whatever that was, 15 seconds left to go in the game. I'm pretty sure Jaden was not on the floor at that time. And yeah, it was Gobert. Yeah, it was the the starters, but Anderson instead of McDaniels. And so I guess what I'm saying is it feels like this team has more ways to replace Jaden McDaniels at this juncture than they did before, which is really important because Jaden has just become a critical player to this team defensively but it's it's just encouraging to see that they have a couple other options that they can go to again without needing to hide players not at and you know the Delo thing we were talking about before the Jalen Noel Bryn Forbes those were the players who were coming in Austin Rivers for for Jade McDaniels earlier in the season now it's Kyle Anderson that that that's a, that makes a big difference
2: it doesn't I wonder if if you know maybe I'll ask Finch this later today if that ability to replace Jaden also maybe maybe they try to lessen the burden on him defensively. Yeah. Where it's like maybe he doesn't have to guard the best player every possession. Maybe they can yeah, man, have it him up off a little. And like ball a little he, bit.
1: he's good yeah. at that too.
2: That's what Mike Conley said initially when when he came over here. Mm-hmm. Um he's like, "Look, I can I can handle some on-ball responsibilities and give Jaden a little bit of a break." Yeah. So I do wonder if, if last night was maybe a, a, a turning point where it's like, look, we got to keep, at least keep Jaden on the floor. Mm-hmm. Even if he's not guarding the best player, every single minute he's out there, we got to have him available. Be- and also because his offensive game uh, has yeah. been blossoming so well recently.
1: Right. And um, for that so, almost, mo- I don't know, more than defense, but like, yes, Jaden has been great offensively, like off yeah. the dribble the past month. Plus he's like shooting 39% from three this year. Like, that's really important offensively just to effectively, you know, space the floor to the corners. Like they need Jaden on the floor for offense, too. So
2: 100 percent. And so I, I wonder if that's going to cause them to rethink things um, as it pertains to, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's not like we'll, we'll see how much he's sharing the floor with Kyle moving forward here since Kyle was yeah coming off the bench last night with everybody healthy. And Kyle was kind of the Jaden replacement right away when when Jaden got in foul trouble, and so we'll see how much of that they share or just Conley taking over. Like if it's a guard who's the best player, De'Aaron Fox tonight, for instance, right? Does Mike Conley handle De'Aaron Fox Mm -hmm. a little more often, uh, and Jaden doesn't have to as much?
1: I Um, actually don't hate that at all. Even just as like a maybe the defense you come out with to start the game, like. Then you have McDaniels like chasing Kevin Herter or whatever, you know, like that's a I like I like Jaden like running around dodging screens, trying to contest threes on the perimeter. I mean, yes, he can bring that rim protection, too, but but I I think that's a really good point is that maybe it doesn't need to be a hundred times out of a hundred. Jaden is guarding the opposing team's best player, right, or the biggest creator. Uh, on the team that if you can if you can split that up a little bit more with Conley in the starting lineup or in mixed lineups with Anderson on the floor or Alexander Walker like yeah i i'd actually almost be surprised if we don't see more of that in these final 7 games
2: yeah yeah and i will say two of his fouls were offensive fouls last yeah. night, too they were not they were not defensive fouls so you know the defense wasn't necessarily the the issue with him getting into foul trouble it was also two offensive fouls yeah so it's not like they were all on the defensive end before That was a, that was the problem. Um, and you you saw the frustration, um, you know, a little bit of what he was known for when he was at Washington uh, yeah. you know last night the slamming the ball and he was pissed. Getting it getting a technical in the fourth quarter yeah. of a close game was not a good look. Mm-hmm. Um, but to his credit, he 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 stayed in it, you know, stayed somewhat mentally in the game came back in for the last couple possessions. Um I, I think played decent defense on one of them. Uh yeah. the, the the one play that ended up I think they threw it out of bounds or whatever. It yeah was. he was on curry. He was on curry that that possession. He stayed in enough to make one of the two free throws and make it a three point game when he went to the foul line. So you know credit to him for for staying engaged and not just completely checking out and, and recognizing that even even if it was just for a couple possessions, that team still needed him to to do some things late in that game last night.
1: Overall, Chris, uh, the two leading foulers in the NBA this season are playing against each other tonight. Demonte Sabonis has two hundred and fifty seven <laughs> fouls, and Jade McDaniel's has two hundred and fifty two. They both played in exactly seventy two games, though Sabonis has played uh, some extra minutes. I I mean I don't know, Jaden to me deserves to probably be on even first team all defense, you know, no matter what. This is the one though, you know, dark mark on on his season defensively is is this is this frequency of fouling. Um again, I it he's still a a wildly positive player, but I think when we, you know, look bigger picture and and going forward seasons on down, down the road, like it is actually reason to believe he could be a significantly better defensive player, right? Like, as we go forward, if that fouling goes down by, you know, half a foul a game on average o- over the course of the season, I mean, it's it's something he's going to have to navigate. I think it's something he's always going to be a little bit hurt by just because he is so big and long that I think that leads to, I don't know, a ref just seems more likely to call foul when, a 6 foot 2 guy's being guarded by a 6 foot 10 guy. I think Jaden loses some of that, but a lot of it too is he does still make some needless type of of fouls from from time to time. Uh, I think he knows that. I think a lot of his frustration is with himself there too and he's 22 years old. Just like, "Ant, we talk all the time about, you know, things Ant needs to do in terms of maturity and learning. This is what Jaden's is and I think I, I, I think he knows that. Uh, Chris, last thing, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, we do this all the time, but I, I mean, this is absolutely nuts in the West right now. And <laughs> I mean, like, and it is, it is somehow gotten more nuts over, over the course of the season when it was, you know, six weeks ago, me and you were on here talking about this, like, oh. One game out of the twelve seed, one game out of the six seed. I. It is still D- like Dane, that.
2: Dane, by we, Dane, By the time you record on Thursday morning, they could be in the four seed. I know. <laughs> like it's it's or the read, twelve is, or like right, the eleven or the twelve. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's how crazy it is right now. Like if they if they win these two games and like Phoenix loses tonight and loses, you know, obviously they would lose Wednesday. Clippers lose, Golden State loses somehow. Like the Bulls, the Bulls on <laughs> Thursday morning could be in the four seed.
1: Which um, would be the, it would be, would be so fascinating bonkers. from a national media perspective. <laughs> like if somehow, and I don't think the wolves will actually end up. I don't think that'll happen, but, but.
2: But it is, it could, is real.
1: Yeah. It is a very real possibility. Like yeah. they almost control their own destiny in that, in, in that they play Phoenix uh, again on, on Wednesday night. Like it is not crazy to say that the wolves could be hosting a, a playoff series in Two three weeks, whatever that is, from now, and I mean, how how do you react to that if you are a person who has been condemning this whole two bigs thing? Which, like, you know, to be fair, like hand raised, I've done that this year as well. But I mean, it is going to be a bizarre thing for people to square if the wolves are come playoff time in the four, even the five seed, and. They've done so with Cat having missed 52 games, uh, with Ant having missed some time, with Rudy having missed time in different spots over the year. Anderson, Prince, like this team has been very injured this year. They've had to completely change or like learn a new style of play, and to still be able to get to the four or five seed. I know when at the beginning of the season, when that, I think I said four, four or five seed for predicting where they're yeah. finish in the West. Granted, I thought that would be at like 49 wins, um, but they might in a way just actually meet the expectations of the season when the season is all said and done. And that is a a wild, wild thing because the narrative around this team has not been that whatsoever all season. You look around the
2: West, I think a lot of fan bases feel the same way about yeah. their their particular team, um, except if you're like Oklahoma City or Utah or, or teams yeah. like that. That's um, it. <laughs> I th- I do think it is as good as it is it sounds for them to get to the four-five slot. I think the slot that, that you yeah. want to try to thread that needle is the sixth slot. Mm-hmm. I think you want to get Sacramento in a first round series yes. if you're them. I don't think you want to face the Kevin Durant Suns nope. in a first round series if you can help it, which is based on the standings where those two teams are likely to finish. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you can kind of thread the needle, if you can thread the needle to finish in the sixth seed and get Sacramento. Right. Um, number one my delta airline miles uh account <laughs> will will appreciate that trying to fly it. from minnesota to sacramento during a playoff series and i just think um you would have a, a just a greater shot of, of winning a playoff yeah. series against an unproven kings team than you would against chris paul and kevin durant so
1: that's that's just my yeah not, and i watch the wolves lose by 30 tonight and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. what I I remember before that game where they lost to Denver by like forty. I went on the the DNVR show out there, yeah, and I was like, yeah, actually, I think Denver, I think Denver is the best matchup for the Wolves in the West. Uh, and and then they and were they all giving me crimson. shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the day after that, I mean, but no, I I in all seriousness, uh, I I'm with that too. I think Sacramento is it, particularly with you know John ja Morant back uh for memphis i do think sacramento is the team you want which again isn't like a massive indictment of the kings it's just mm-hmm. you're choosing between all hard options particularly if you throw phoenix into the mix there as well with with kd i mean i they might be the favorites to come out of the west when you know when the playoff right. bracket gets eventually set so i i'm i'm with that 100 we'll get to we'll get to take a look at that uh tonight against sacramento uh, get to Sacramento safely, Chris. I, I really do appreciate you waking up early and uh, making this happen. On by the uh, way, uh, I don't
2: think we've ever discussed this in honor of Mariah's
1: anniversary yeah, yeah, today. Yeah. What
2: is your favorite Mariah song
1: and why? I've told you my least favorite Mariah song is this... "All I Want for Christmas." Oh. I boo. I dude, I, I just I just can't. <laughs> I can't. But we didn't. not We didn't ask it. that.
2: We were asking your favorite Mariah song. It's, it's, <sighs> we're gonna be nice to her today. What do you What do you got? Um, don't be don't be googling Mariah Carey songs right now. No, You're I'm thinking.
1: One. I'm okay. I'm thinking. Uh without you. Without you. Well, interesting choice. I'm also you, like you scrambling hear, for songs. I I'm, I'm thinking of ones fantasy, off the top some of people my head. Say
2: Fantasy or Always okay. Be My Baby. Those are two of the We Belong Together. Maybe you went through a tough breakup when you were 14 <laughs> and We Belong Together helped you get through it, yeah. you
1: know. I, can I can I get I do like a, an hour of Mariah listening before next week, and then sure come sure. come back and give you an answer. Go go stream and give me your top five. My, my yeah, biggest my biggest Mariah take, which isn't that I dislike Mariah. I can't stand all I want for Christmas. I don't know if that that's probably just <laughs> something from childhood. I I, I don't. It's know. fine. It's fine. I think <laughs> I think
2: it's more about you than it does
1: that song. So. <laughs> that's true. No well, happy. Birthday anniversary uh, to Mariah Carey and uh, the biggest uh, Mariah Carey stand that I know. Chris Hein, uh, again, Chris, thanks for doing it. You guys can go uh, read Chris's gamer uh, up at the the Star Tribune uh, with with quotes from the locker room. Think Rudy. I mean that we we didn't get to with any of the clips here. I thought Ru- I mean Rudy, Cat, and Ant all talked. I think I think you are seeing Rudy in particular feeling confident uh, about this team and and not just last night but in the way he's been talking about this team of late I think there's real confidence uh, in this group particularly with the some of the players who have been out or struggled at times over over the course of the season so as always uh, make sure you're following Chris reading his stories over at the Star Tribune and Chris I will see you later this week when you're back in town sounds good uh, until then uh, he's Chris follow well, him on Twitter at Christopher Hine I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA um, I'm gonna try and figure out the schedule and do something uh, tomorrow after that Kings game as well I'm not, I, maybe that'll be Kyle uh, with me but we'll uh, we'll keep going with this tracking this team game to game uh, until then he's Chris I'm Dane peace out how I'm feeling man. I hope it never stop yeah green it so you can find me in the crowd yeah yeah don't let ever bring you down yeah